You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. We are talking about worship at the core, and um, as I think about the time at City Lights, I do think a lot about worship. But it's worship that's not held to a song set. It's not worship that's held to um, chord charts and click tracks. If you don't know what a click track is, I can tell you about it later. Um, it's none of that, actually. Worship is, musical worship is a, a vehicle that we use to give worship to God, but it's not what worship is. And if there's anything you take away today, I hope that's what it is. That when we sing, it's an awesome avenue that we get to give God glory. But it in itself is not the worship. But worship is what happens in our small groups. Worship is, worship is what happens in our homes. It's what happens in the relationships we have every day. Does that make sense? we're going to talk about today. So I have a little question I want to ask, and then we do this a lot here, and I love it. I'd love for you to ask the person around you, um, if you can find somebody, um, who is somebody that you've thought of in your life? It could be a mentor. It could be a celebrity. It could be a pastor. It could be a worship leader. It could be um, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt. Somebody in your life that you think um, is rooted in the Lord. And when I say rooted, it's somebody that's consistent, somebody that's steadfast, like you, you're always around them and they're exactly the same. Highs or lows, they're like, hey man, just got fired from my job, you know, but they're good, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who is that person in your life? Is there somebody in your life who is rooted in Jesus and you just look at them and you can just feel the presence of God off of them? Does that make sense? All right, so find somebody around you, ask that question real quick and just talk about who that person is. Say their name, say how you're related to them or if they're a friend or whatever and then we'll, we'll get back into the message. Well, hopefully you uh, thought of somebody in your life. If it was uh, Kim Kardashian, we have a prayer ministry after church. But uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I've been in worship for 13 years now, um, which you know, I'm a younger guy, but it's just crazy. Most of my life, more time in my life now has been spent in worship than out of it. Um, I've been in really big worship spaces. I've been in super small worship spaces. There was one time in youth group on a Wednesday night, um, one person showed up to youth group, and I led worship in front of one person. And it was a, and it was a middle school boy. And uh, I was in middle school as well. Um, just, it was a joy. Uh, those are the things that make you a leader. No. But uh, I've worshiped in front of a, a thousand people. I've worshiped with huge bands. I've worshiped with just my acoustic guitar. Um, I've been through a lot in worship, but I have to tell you guys, related to that question about somebody who's rooted, um, there's really not a moment that I felt more like I was in a moment of worship than sitting with someone, uh, specifically I'm going to talk about here, um, who I felt was rooted in the Lord. And this person, I want you guys to get this in your mind. Her name was Mrs. Gregory. Everybody say Miss Gregory. Okay, Miss Gregory was like in her 70s when I met her. And Miss Gregory was the one who started taking me to church every single Sunday. She would pick me up every morning. She would take me to church. And every week she would bring me home. And then when I got in youth group, well, before youth group, I was doing Awanas. Anybody remember Awanas? Anybody a part of that? The true worshipers in the room. Um, I, was, I was in truth and training. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, she used to take me to that every Wednesday night and take me home, same thing. And that was from like 8 until, until I finally, I think like 17 when I started getting rides from my friends. But even into youth group, she would pick me up and take me 
every Sunday and Wednesday. But that wasn't the thing that made me feel like she was rooted because she was faithful in our relationship. She was consistent in our relationship, you know. But I remember as well, uh, she used to bring me over to her house on Sundays. And I would come and have lunch with her and her husband. Her husband was named Norman. This is a cute thing. Her name was Nancy. His name was Norman. That's just adorable. Um, And Norman was like 12 years older than she was. And so he was this like 80-something-year-old man. And he was horrifying when you got around him. But he was the sweetest guy in the world. And I come to find out, he was in World War II. And he was the guy that was like in, he was like the gunner on the airplanes. And he like actually was, he, was, he actually got in the air and was like taking out airplanes and stuff. It was insane. He just told me that real plane one day when we were eating lunch. He was like, I was a gunner on a B-52 or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, you were. And, uh, <laughs> but they were just the coolest people. But I remember just sitting with them, having these conversations. And, and it was always after church. And I don't know about you guys, but after church, I like to just go home and take a nap. Man, they would eat lunch, and no joke, both of them would sit. One would sit on the couch, one would sit in a chair, and they would just read their Bible for hours. Like, and back then, I was just like, we just got done with church. Like, give it a rest, you know? <laughs> but, like, I look back now, and it's, it, it leaves me in awe to think about it. Like, these people just wanted Jesus really bad. And it wasn't just the Bible. Sometimes she would turn on, you guys know the Gaither family? They would turn on the Gaither family and just start singing Beulah Land and all this stuff, these Southern gospel songs. And she would just sit there, and it was that classic, you know, like just tapping her foot and just, she was just in. And again, back then, I was just like, God, what is this music? But like today, I go, she was in she was worshiping. I remember her having this Rolodex of different people's phone numbers, and every day she would call people, and she would just check on them. Every day. And all of this, like, just kind of started to show me what it looked like to be rooted, grounded. But the real test I noticed was when her husband, Norman, got this really uh, bad form of cancer. I can't remember what it was. I remember he got really sick, and I just started not to see him as much. And then one night, my mom got a call from Miss Gregory, and she told my mom that I needed to come over because the doctors believe it was Norman's last night that he was going to live. And I remember coming over, I was probably like 13, 14 years old. I remember walking in, they had the hospital bed like in the living room. And he was laying there. And I just, I had never seen someone in that state before. Not only someone who was very elderly in age, but but someone who was just broken on this hospital bed. And I I just, you know, I was overwhelmed, started crying. Turned to Miss Gregory and the whole family's there, you know. And I'm just like this kid that they take to church. And I look back at the family and I just said, I'm, I'm so sorry I'm crying, you know. And she held me and she looked me in the eyes and she just said, he was your, he was your papa too. And that just, when you're 13 and you grew up how I grew up, you know, like you need that. Somebody to look at you and say, like, you're mine, you're ours. And we'll always see you that way. He died that night. I went home and he died. Here goes the disco lights. I'm excited. He uh, passed away that night. And it'll stop in like 10 minutes. It'll be great. Um, he passed away. And I remember going home, and that was, I, that was my first encounter with death, you know. And I'm 13, 14. I just didn't really know what it meant. And it was somebody I was close to, and it wrecked me. And then later on, she got cancer herself. But then she beat cancer. She got chemo, took the treatments, and then beat it. But through all of that, I remember her getting her head shaved. She came back from the hairdresser, and she said, well, she took off her little beanie. She said, here it is, you know. And uh, I said, I think you look awesome. But just this faithfulness to the Lord, 
The Bible reading never stopped. The Gaither worship never stopped. The phone calls. She called other people in the middle of her cancer treatments to check on them, see how they were doing. And it just was this faithfulness. And then then she beat cancer, and she just gave the Lord all the glory for it. You know, she didn't say chemo healed me or the treatments healed me. She said, like, God healed me. And that, to me, is someone who's rooted in worship. Because that was the worship, was the faithfulness every day, day in and day out. I think uh, for us, it's really easy to come in on a Sunday. Daylight savings time makes it a little harder. But it's easier to come in and to take a shower and to, you know, get a little dressed up and for us, drink our teas and sing really well. And it's easy to worship on a Sunday morning. Frankly, if you can't worship on Sunday, you know, probably need to have a discussion. (laughs) But like, to see a woman lose her husband and then to fight cancer and then to still say that God is good even in the midst of all of it was actual worship. And it changed my life. I mean, even, even, I, I can't think about her and not think, like, that's, that's who I want to be when I'm her age. I want to be 70-something years old and say God has only ever been good to me. Amen? And so uh, that's the focus of the sermon this morning. It's, it's being rooted in worship. And again, uh, it's not something that I would hope you don't look towards service to service or a worship night or Easter or Christmas but it's something that you do every single day. And it doesn't have to be that you have a guitar out and that you're singing. But it's, it's actually giving the worth of your time, of your heart, of your attention. You're giving it to Jesus. And you're not giving it to other stuff. And it's like, because I'm in a trial, I'm going to give my worth to Jesus. Because I'm facing loss, I'm going to give the worship to Jesus. Because I'm in a high, in a good place, I'm going to give the worship to Jesus. Does that make sense? What I learned from Ms. Gregory is that the lasting, the, the consistent, this practice, really what it was, speaking of worship and speaking of music, this practice of worship, it was more than a song, more than a set list, more than a Sunday morning. It was this daily walk through loss, through trial, in the midst of relationship, change, temptation, all of it. It was this fruit of a daily life rooted in worship. A life disciplined in worship is a life rooted and founded in Jesus. So discipline is that sort of subword for rooted. Um, when I think of the word discipline, not a lot of good things come to my mind. I don't know about you guys. Um, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I've got two kids. And we don't like to use the word discipline necessarily because it just has a really negative connotation. You guys probably have a lot of bad marks when you think of the word discipline. But when the Bible talks about discipline, it has a lot of good things to say. And discipline, all it means is it's just a correction. And when we're disciplined, in something, it means that we're continually correcting ourselves. That sometimes we want to get off track and we want to stray, we want to go to the left or to the right, but I'm just going to stay consistent in what I'm doing. I'm not going to stray. And it requires a ton of correction. And like I said before, it's not something that happens service to service or Sunday to Sunday, but it's just moment to moment. It's every single moment that you have of every single day, you have an opportunity to be disciplined and rooted in worship. So if that's the truth, then I'm going to have this line up here. You guys can write it down if you want, but this is the first thing that came to my mind when I started thinking about this. Worship isn't something that defines us in a moment. So it's not something that when you come into this room and you have this experience or you have this encounter with God or you feel like somebody gave you a word or, or you heard something from the Lord, those are all real, and the Lord's actually working in the midst of that. But that doesn't define you. 
This Sunday morning environment, the worship night, when you hear a great song and you cry, like those are all moments of worship where the Lord's encountering you, but that can't define us. But worship is a thing that refines us over a lifetime. It can't define us in a moment, but it refines us over a lifetime. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the scripture in the Bible where Jesus is, I, th- I believe it is Jesus, he's actually talking about refinement and the process of like melting down metals and precious metals. You know, if you guys know a lot about that, Basically, you put all this metal in a crucible. It gets really, really, really hot. It takes forever for the temperature to get up. And then finally what it does, it melts into a liquid. And once the, the metal melts into a liquid, this stuff called dross, everybody say dross. We were talking to Oliver one time. Oliver was like, what is dross? And I said, brother, have you read the good book? Um, <laughs> dross is the, it's the, the impurity and the imperfection that comes to the top. So as the liquid, as it turns into a liquid, this like, crummy looking stuff comes to the top. And then what they do is they swipe that off and the whole process starts over again. And that's what worship is doing. It's helping you melt yourself down before the presence of the Lord so that he can remove what you think is better or what you think tastes better or what you think goodness is or what you think is worthy or what makes you feel good or what sustains you. He's the one that takes all that stuff off. Does that make sense? I just wanna keep saying that, make sure you guys got it. Um, Miss Gregory knew how to worship. She knew that every moment, every day, she had the time and availability. She should be founded in worship. She should be rooted in Jesus. Uh, today, I believe it's, it's actually a lot harder to be rooted in Jesus than ever before. How many of you guys are from Greenville? You're from here. All your hands. Wow, this is amazing. The disciples. Um, that was incredible. Yeah, so I grew up here in Greenville. Um, maybe you guys kind of face the same thing. Um, I know for me, uh, this is the Bible Belt, and it feels like that. Um, Emily and I were driving the other day. We live in Easley, and I promise you guys, it was 15 seconds of driving, and I counted six churches in 15 seconds. It was like Presbyterian this, Church of God that, Church of Christ this, Baptist that, and I was like, man, this is amazing. Like, um, surprise, all of Easley doesn't love the Lord. Like, this is amazing, you know? And, but that should tell you a story, you know, that should tell you something that like, there's a church on every corner, yet I think now more than ever, people feel, even Christians specifically, feel a little uneasy um, living in today's world as a Christian. Uh, legalism, I know for me, is something that hurt me a lot growing up. Uh, the church I grew up in taught me a lot, but it also hurt me in many ways. Some of you probably have faced that in your own life. Legalism is just feeling like your faith is built on rules and on rights and on action, and do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, and that's legalism. Is somehow the cross of Jesus said that I have to keep performing, and at some point, maybe he'll let me into heaven if he feels like it, because that's what that felt like. That's what legalism feels like. It feels like you're suffocating. On the other hand, it's 2021. We are in the United States, and there is every other person on the planet has a two cents about the world we live in. Um, specifically about Christianity. I think being a believer in the year, the year we're in, the age we're in, the, the informational, technological age that we live in, it's harder to have a conviction. It's harder to say, this is what I believe in, and this is what I follow, and this is what the Bible says, and I'm going to stand true to it. I'm, I'm green now. And um, to have all that and be solid on it is scary because sometimes, now more than ever, the reality of the gospel and what the Bible says about what is true contradicts with what the world says. And it's louder now more than ever. 
before we could hide under it. Do you know what I'm saying? We can't anymore because the world around us is changing. And you probably feel it. I feel it as a worship pastor. Now more than ever, it, not because I'm embarrassed that I'm a Christian, but when somebody I've never met before asks me what I do and I say I'm a worship pastor, I get a little hesitant because I'm like, yes, I believe in that. You know? <laughs> yes, I am convicted of that. And so we're torn. There's this tension. Maybe you've been hurt by legalism. Maybe you're being influenced or impacted. I, I like to just call that mysticism. It's not just like social culture. It's anything. People think that, you know, getting an app on your phone and breathing right for 10 minutes is going to make you more whole. And people think that if you do more yoga, you'll be more whole. Or if you do whole 30, you're, you'll be more whole. Or if you're a vegan, or if you're not a vegan, or if you do this, or you're, like something out there is going to make me feel like I'm grounded, like I'm rooted, like when something bad happens, I'm going to be okay. There's a whole lot of that out there, but none of it. It all looks like Jesus, and it all sounds like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. But it's easier to root ourselves in that because it doesn't require as much accountability on our part. Because I can get the app on my phone, I can breathe for 10 minutes. But that's not causing, that's not saying I need to change something. Does that make sense? And that's the good thing about worship is like that giving him the worship and giving him the attention and giving him the focus is that he actually starts to transform you because he's keeping you accountable to yourself. He's just giving you a mirror and going, well, that doesn't look too good. Let's get that dross off and let's start all over again. And that's the good news. At the same time, um, with that mysticism, there's, I already said it before, there's skepticism, there's realism, there's idealism, there's just everybody all together, it's, it's everybody has two cents about everything. And um, my hope for today, we're going to get into the Bible real quick, but my hope um, is that if you're here and, and if you have doubt, if you have frustration, if you have confusion in your faith, I hope that you would get a little more grounding today. I hope that you would make a conscious decision to choose Jesus today. And hopefully you'll do it tomorrow too, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, because it can't just change you today. You have to do it. It has, has to become a rhythm. It has to become a routine. It has to be consistent. So if you guys have a Bible, if you get open to Colossians chapter 2, this is one of my favorite books uh, in the whole Bible, because it's short. I'm just kidding. No, I, I love it so much just because it's one of the more pastoral letters from Paul. Um, if you read 1 Corinthians, Paul is less pastoral and he is more challenger, <laughs> um, trying to get you to wake up. But the book of Colossians is beautiful. The first chapter is all about the supremacy of Jesus. And it just talks about how Jesus was there um, at the dawn of creation, that all things were made for him, by him, through him, because he is the word of the Lord. Um, as life and as creation was spoken into existence, Jesus, it was through him that all things came to be. It's amazing. It's a beautiful picture. Um, and we're going to pick up in chapter two, but just some context for you guys. Um, I love context. Um, this is a church uh, in the place called Colossae. Can you say Colossae? Um, I used to read this Colossae, but I don't think it's that. Um, <laughs> Colossae? But um, this is a church that I believe found themselves in the same place we're in today. This is a church of uh, predominantly Gentile people. Gentile people were the ones outside of the Jewish faith who when Jesus rose from the dead, when he came back for four days and ascended into heaven, these are the first followers of Jesus. But they're individuals who are not Jewish. And so on one hand, we'll just say the legalistic side, 
the Jewish leaders of the day were literally beating down the doors of this church and saying, what about the Sabbath? And what about the Festival of Booths? And what about the new moon? And what about the Mosaic Law? And what about this? And what about that? What about this? What about that? And just trying to tell this church, you haven't done it all yet. Jesus wasn't it. There's more to do. There's more to perform. (laughs) There's more to bring. On the other side, you have beating on the other side of the building, you have the Roman people of the day, the Roman influencers of the day. Yes, I chose influencers specifically. (laughs) The Roman influencers of the day. And they were coming at them about the sun gods and the moon gods and sexuality and individualism and all this stuff. And they just were beaten down, just going like, no, like, you can do whatever you want and everybody wins and it's all good. And, you know, Jesus had it wrong, you know, and he was too absolute. And, blah, 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 blah. and I, I read that and I was like, this sounds oddly familiar because I think we're going through the same thing. Uh, but we're going to open it up and that, that will hopefully give you the context for what Paul is saying to this church and why he's saying it. All right. Okay, Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I remember the other day... uh, my kids were going to the, to the zoo and I was at work and my wife called me because she forgot her, her ID and you need your ID to like show them your online ticket or whatever. So I had to drive out to the zoo and for my ID, go let them in. Nora had her scooter, she's got this little blue scooter and she went over this crack in the road and uh, she, was, she, she always asked like the best question. She said, Gigi was there, her grandma was there. She said, Gigi, what is that? And Gigi said, well, that's the road. She said, Oh, no, Gigi said, that's a root. And Nora said, Gigi, that's not a root, that's the road. And it just, like, cooked all of us. We were like, technically, yes, that's the road. But it just had me thinking, I mean, you know, I'm not out here just, like, trying to find stories for my sermon, but it just dawned on me the other day. Like, I was like, man, that stinking root, like, broke through cement, you know, like, concrete. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. And so as we're talking about rooted, and, and even as Paul says rooted, I love that he chose that word because... To be rooted is like, you're dug in. You're not going anywhere, you know? Um, a lot of us, I think, we, we have this faith, and quickly when asphalt is put down on our faith, if you will, or cement is put down on our faith, you quickly realize if you're rooted or not because you're going to see if your roots are going to hold strong. And when Paul says to be rooted in Jesus, he's saying you need to dig in deep because there's about to be a lot of obstacles. There's about to be a lot of change. And you're going to have a lot of people telling you you're stupid, telling you that you're wrong, telling you that you're mean, telling you whatever they want to say. So you need to be rooted. And I just wanted to point that out. That picture of Nora going over that root just like meant a ton to me. So this is verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, <clears throat> according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you, us who have received Jesus, you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So human, human tradition, um, being captive by philosophy, empty deceit. It's like I said, said before, it's the same old, same old. It's just this person says life should be like this. This person says social justice looks like this. This person says sexuality looks like this. And he's just saying there's gonna be so many people to tell you so many things. But Jesus is the one you listen to. Jesus' teachings are the one that you look back on. The word of God is the one that you go back to. And so don't be thrown back and forth by what all these people are saying. They're all going to talk, and they're all going to have a ton to say about this man that they did not know. But trust me, he's the one to put your money on. I love that it talks about um, his authority. You know, there's so many things that, so many people that feel that they have authority to speak today. Um, again, man, you get on YouTube, you get on Instagram, everybody's talking all the time about something. And it's exhausting. This isn't me bragging. I'm, this is a praise report. I'm not on social media anymore, y'all. And I'm so thankful. Sometimes my wife says like, this person said on Instagram, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, thank goodness I didn't see that. Because <laughs> I would just be wanting to get in those comments. She's like, well, you know. And because we all want to, you know. And I just love that it says that he is the head of all rule and authority. He's, he was over the rabbis. He was over the Romans. He's over the politicians today. He's over the influencers. There's going to be a day, y'all, when, like, all this stuff isn't going to be a thing. Like, Washington, D.C. will not be a thing. The White House won't be a thing. Like, Jesus will be king on the throne, and we're all going to be just worshiping him and giving him glory because he's the head of all authority. Everybody will answer to him ultimately. And so why am I getting caught up in what this person thinks about what? It's why this church, these people would go to be persecuted for their faiths because they, they knew, like, this life isn't it. It's going to end. Just like a worship service is going to end. Like, here in a couple minutes, like, we're going to say, have a good week, and this worship service is going to be over. And we have to make a decision. Am I banking on what's to come? Am I banking on what's been given to me? Because here it says that Jesus has given us all of himself. It says that there's not one ounce of himself that he's withheld from us. That's amazing. So what does that say to the Jewish people? Paul was answering to them. There's nothing left. He did it all on the cross and in his resurrection. So just walk in him. And so the Romans are saying, there's more and there's more and there's more. He's given us all of himself and all of himself is enough. The one for and by and through all things were created has given us himself fully. I'm good. I don't need some influencer on YouTube to tell me what, what's what about the economy or whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't, you know. And practically, it's a lot easier said than done in life, but I don't know. I, I just hope that you guys would, would walk away just sort of, sort of hearing that, if, if nothing else, man. He is so worth it because he's so much bigger and he's going to last so much longer. All of this stuff, I mean, it's going to be, it will be a vapor one day. And we're just going to be looking into his eyes. And we're going to be so thankful that we rooted ourselves in him because he's going to be the eternal one. None of this stuff will, which is good, which is exciting. All right, jump down, if you would, to uh, verse 20. And this is sort of the answer from Paul, which I love so much. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, 
according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism. Everybody say asceticism. Asceticism. Say that five times fast. And severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. He's just talking about all kinds of stuff. You know, people, asceticism is that like self-harm, that like I'm going to fast because maybe if I fast harder, he'll be closer to me. And I'm going to, you know, back then people would, or I remember in the early, I think it was like 15th, 16th century, people would like whip themselves, you know, and they'd beat themselves because they thought, well, if I, if I just make myself hurt and suffer as Christ suffered, maybe I could get closer with him or maybe I'll receive something more. That's asceticism. But he's saying, it's like what Jesus said about fasting. Like, if you go out and you're complaining about how hungry you are, and if you're out there and you're just saying, oh, my stomach hurts so bad because I'm fasting for the Lord. Like, if it's that, or if you go out and you pray really loud, it's just all, like, it does nothing. That's what Paul says. It does nothing. It's worthless. But again, like, pressing into the fullness of Jesus by his Holy Spirit is so much more because, and that's where, that's where this whole conversation about worship comes from because, he has something to say about every single moment of your life. And so instead of you thinking that if I do this Daniel fast or if I do this, you know, like if I, if I read my Bible for three hours a day instead of two and a half or if I listen to more Hillsong instead of Elevation or whatever it is, or maybe, you know, these people who are talking about God who aren't Christians, maybe they're right. I mean, I can't tell you, you guys know how many pastors have fallen away from the faith, how many worship leaders have fallen away from the faith. Um, because there's no rootedness in just Jesus. There's rootedness in performance, and there's rootedness in obligation, and there's rootedness in I need to do this, or I need to do that, or I need to be this, or I need to be that. And that just was never the intent. Because if, if that was the point, that after the cross and after the resurrection, that everything should go as normal, it was a big waste of time and a lot of wasted blood. And we're not doing that intentionally or on purpose, but I just don't want that for us. I don't want us to waste the precious blood of Jesus and how by his blood we've been reconciled back to the Father and how that veil being torn, um, it's what another, I believe it's Ephesians says, like with unveiled face, we now get to gaze into the face of God, that like we get to just be with him day in and day out. And that transforms us. That transforms our families. It transforms our workplaces. It transforms our relationships. He does that on his own by our faithfulness. There's, he's not asking you to do anything else. You catching on what I'm talking about? Okay. We root ourselves in him because he's our strength. We root ourselves in him because he's our truth. We root ourselves in him because he's our future. Jesus said, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. He's the way in which we go. He's the truth of the gospel, the truth of scripture. And he is our life. He is everlasting. This, listen, I love working at City Lights. I really do. This has been an amazing journey. Like I said before, I mean, I was, even as Oliver was praying and <clears throat> as I was just thinking about it, I was just getting emotional thinking about family. Like, I have family here, you know? But man, like, that compares nothing to eternal, eternal life in Jesus. It doesn't compare. This is awesome what we're doing right now. And these relationships are awesome. But he is our life. And nothing else can compare to that. So to kind of conclude this and to wrap this up a little bit, um, 
How do we achieve rootedness? As you talked about that uncle or that aunt or the celebrity or the worship pastor, whoever it was, maybe it was me. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no, but as, as you thought about that person, how many times have you looked at that person and thought, man, they've got something I don't have? Or man, when I see them walk or I see them engage, like I, I just, I want that, but I just don't feel like I have it. Like I remember thinking about Miss Gregory that way, just like I don't feel like I can ever amount up to what she has. And the reality is like, it's not something that's like this gift, you know? I don't think you can go to a, a prayer service and somebody can anoint you with this. But I do think it's achievable. But how is it achievable? How do you become rooted in every moment? Not just once a week. Not just when it's easy, but when it's like really, really hard. How do you achieve rootedness? And it's, it's pretty, I think it's pretty easy and simple. <laughs> Easier said than done. But Oliver says it all the time. He always says repeatable rhythms. And I've, I've always loved that phrase. It's a day in and day out just faithfulness to God with every single moment that you have. Not just having a quiet time, but that when you were talking to your spouse, when you're at work and you're, you have a deep loathing for your boss, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever relationship it is, what you're watching on television, what you're listening to in your music, what you're eating, Every moment has to be defined by worshiping the Lord because you're worshiping something with everything you do, which is kind of horrifying. So I, I say that as a challenge, like, what are you watching on Netflix, you know? What are you, like, compromising on with your music and with your television, with your food? Listen, guys, I love food. Y'all can tell I'm a big boy. I love good food. But the Lord, I mean, that's, that's been his sermon this past two weeks, to me. It's like honoring God with your bodies, right? First Corinthians, was it, 619, I think? But brother, I'll tell you what, them donuts. <laughs> but it's real. I mean, seriously. Like, and he, he says in there, like, don't get caught up and do not taste, do not touch. Like, and I don't want this to become religious, but I'll give you a good example. I was the other night, this past week, my, my family and I have been battling sickness. It was not... COVID. Have you guys realized that like during COVID, there's no other sickness in the world? Have you realized that? <laughs> Timothy, you feel like, a, I'm just feeling a little uh, COVID. Have you taken a test? You know, it's just like, I have allergies. Like what? Um, it's amazing. <laughs> but I'm still a little stuffing up. But you know, uh, we had this fluke thing. I got a test that was negative. But anyways, I got a test that was negative. Don't. Uh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm okay. Um, no, but uh, we're at home, and it was the weirdest thing, y'all. Like, I was, you know, all congestion. That's what was going on with me. My wife was like a zombie. Like, she just was not feeling symptoms, but fatigued as all get out, just like dead. <laughs> she was literally moping around the house. She was so tired. I felt so sorry for her. Nora was getting this weird three-hour fever, three-hour off, three-hour fever, three-hour off. And then my son Malachi, you know, the bowling ball, he's like killing it. He's just <laughs> loving his life, eating like a champ. And I just was like, he's happy. But, you know, you've got small kids, and a three-year-old doesn't know how to manage sickness. And so she's just screaming her head off and, you know, whining. And, like, I feel so bad, but I'm also just, you know, I got a, I got a short little patience, little, little window. And um, 
Emily's, you know, she's not feeling well. And so we're all, there's just this crankiness in the air, you know. I'm at home. I'm supposed to go to City Life. I realize I can't go to City Life. So now I feel like I'm failing. You know, the whole, the whole toilet bowl of emotions just flushing me down. Just, and, uh, man, I'm sitting there. I remember I was at the kitchen sink, and Nora's just, like, screaming. You know, she's just losing her mind. And Emily and I were bickering about something. And I just, you know, it was that moment where I'm like, I could just let the fuse go now. And like, I could be that little angry uh, emotion from inside out and just, you know. Another thought was like, I just get my keys. I could just drive away. I could just leave and just, just keep going west. Um, uh, go west, young man. But uh, that's a good one, Sharon. Thank you. Um, and, uh, but it was that moment. Two things happened in my mind. One of them was pretty funny. The other one was like, you're right, Lord. First, first the Lord said this. Because uh, I was literally about to turn around and just be like, shut up, you know. And the Lord just in a moment, because I was gripping the sink, and I'm just, you know. And the Lord just said to me, uh, he said, Timothy, what are you preaching on on Sunday? Um, and uh, I said, I, I might not preach after this, Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and then the second thing that came to my mind is he just said, he said, now you get to choose to worship me or to just engorge in your flesh. And y'all, that saved me that day. Because <laughs> I just took a deep breath and I just went and I remember just attending to each word. I told to Nora and I just rubbed her back. I was like, what's going on? Got everybody calm down. Here's the reality. The day did not change. Like that moment did not like supernaturally like everyone, the sickness is gone and everyone's feeling wonderful now. Like I believe God could do that if he wanted to, um, but it didn't happen that way. The weekend didn't go that way. This past week didn't go that way. Still, I had plenty of moments where I didn't pass the test and I failed. But what I've realized is it's, it's every moment of those that he's speaking and moving. Have you ever noticed like even when you sin, he isn't stop talking to you. We stop talking to him. And in that moment, I didn't want to talk to him. You know, I heard him like say that, you know, what are you preaching on? I was just like, whatever, you know. But that was, I, I realized this week, like that was the good news of this whole thing. Like choosing in a moment, either I can, you know, yell at my kids and I could damage them. I could hurt my daughter right now. Or I could just chill and just go love her, even though I really don't want to. <laughs> and in that moment, it meant the world. I could tell to my daughter that her dad came and, and rubbed her back and kissed her and said, I'm so sorry you feel bad. You know, and that's what I'm saying. The worship that we give, it doesn't just change us. It'll change those around us. It'll change your families. And it'll change your workspace. It really will. And so um, I have an intentional question today. And we'll get it up on the screen. But Ms. Gregory, like I said, you know, I'd love for you just to continue thinking about her. Think about the other people that you mentioned today as you were talking. Um, she showed me what it meant to be rooted in worship. And that was something, that was a life that I wanted to imitate. And so here's the intentional question. How can you take off legalism or mysticism? Maybe it's this reality that you feel like you're performing for God all the time. Maybe you feel like you are really you know, good at, and this is, this is the marker, is if you get up early in the morning and you spend time in the word and you spend time in worship, 
and then you go and you spat off to your spouse. Or if you go and you watch something massively inappropriate, you know it is. Or whatever it may be. That's when you know you're living in legalism and you're not living an actual life with God. This is the difference between spirit and truth worship. That's truth worship. Well, I'm doing the right thing. Where can you take that off and start putting on some more, some more spirit life? And maybe it's the other side. Maybe you're really heavy and like supernatural stuff. Maybe you love like spiritual worship and you love like hearing from the Lord and prophetic words and healings and all that stuff. But the same thing, your life is not at home when you're off of the platform or you're away from the small group or you're outside the worship environment. Um, It doesn't look the same. Where can you put on more of that walking in truth, walking in the reality of the gospel, walking with Jesus who is the word of God? Where can you take off legalism, legalism and mysticism and behold the goodness of Jesus in the season you're in? That's our, that's our vision statement for worship. It's beholding the goodness of Jesus in every season. And it's not any season. It's not a season. Um, it's, it's no matter what. It's when your job stinks the worst, when it's awful. It's when your uncle passes away and you have no idea why or you didn't think that it was fair. It's when you lose your job. It's when your spouse cheats on you It's when your kids stray away from the faith. I don't know, whatever your thing is, the hardest thing you can possibly think of is the moment to see that he's good and not to just turn to the same old, same old because the same old, same old is gonna kill you. It will emotionally, mentally, spiritually kill you. But Jesus won't. He will sustain you. And it's not gonna feel elated all the time and it's not gonna feel exciting all the time but to know that you're still afloat and that he's the one keeping you afloat is amazing. And that's what I would love for you guys today. To me, this is worship. It's a daily decision to walk with Jesus devoted to his way, his truth, and his life. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.